Ever wonder if you've got what it takes to substitute for exceptional children? Mr. Morgerson is going to talk to us today about how rewarding that is. It's episode 11 of Substitute Teacher's Lounge. All right, guys, uh, we have one of our listeners that we're interviewing today, Mr. Morgerson. Uh, he has teaching experience, substitute teaching experience. He's a high school basketball coach, and he has a, a pretty darn good podcast that I listen to all the time about sports uh, called The Hoop House, and we're going to let him describe that a little bit later on. I do know he's already had guests that he's interviewed on his podcast from that have both ESPN ties and uh they have television shows and that kind of thing. So we'll let him talk about that at the end of the podcast. But Mr. Morgerson, uh, it's good to have you here with us today. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. No problem. Why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, your journey, the way your career has gone so far? Yeah, well, I went to UK. I graduated from there uh, with a degree to teach PE and health, uh, K-12. through uh, That first year, I didn't get a health and PE job because those are a little tough to find, you know, there's only one PE teacher per elementary school, a couple per middle and high school, so it takes a little while. Uh, so I subbed off and on that first year while I worked at a restaurant, uh, so I did some experience in elementary PE, uh, I did some classroom experience at the middle school and high school. Uh, I didn't really do classroom much at the elementary, uh, I think I'd be a little more comfortable with that now, but as a college student, or somebody just recently graduated college, that was not really my wheelhouse, so I kind of stayed away from it. Right. Uh, then after that, um, I got a job the next year as an assistant in a highly structured classroom. So that was with uh, students with emotional and behavioral disorders. There were like five uh, boys in that class. Okay. I worked with with uh, two classroom teachers. So I did that at an elementary school, and then the next year they kind of that program kind of moved to a different school. Uh, still no luck finding a teaching job but I had started pursuing my master's in special ed because I wanted Good. to kind of open up my uh, horizon there, give myself a little more availability to find a job. Um, so that next year I was a third grade assistant. I bounced back and forth between two classes, doing some small groups, uh, finished up my special ed degree. And then that next summer I was able to get a PE job, which I actually started as part-time. It was like a 70% paid position, which gave me benefits was still better than subbing, was better than being a classified position. At least I had my own classroom okay. at that point. Um, and so I did that for four years. Uh, and along with that, I was coaching over at Leestown Middle School and doing basketball over there, did a little volleyball as well. And then after Yates, uh, my career took me to Jessam County, and I was a behavior coach doing a pass program, which is kind of like monitoring, working with, uh, 10 to 12 students that just kind of need a little extra pull out time from class, social school okay. type stuff. Uh, so I worked with them. And then this last year I worked at a, uh, a Methodist home where they had a residential facility and I worked with students from middle school to high school, uh, students that had kind of bounced around the foster system or been placed there by the courts. Uh, it was a really rewarding experience. You got to hear just some really unfortunate stories, but, you know, students that just needed somebody to invest in them and to, to be fair and respectful to them because they hadn't had the best experience. 
right. in their life or in school. Uh, and now this year, uh, I got a head basketball job. So that took me to Richmond and I'm teaching a model working in uh, fourth and fifth grade uh, special ed. Okay. That sounds great. In fact, it, it leads me to another question. You know, so I've been, I've, I haven't even been substitute teaching a year yet, but you know, when the uh, special education type classes come up, I've always wanted to do that. And one of the principals in our area encouraged me to take one of the classes. I, I loved it. I, I had a great day with those kids that day. Why do you think it is that some substitute teachers might be a little bit hesitant sometimes to accept uh, that type of substitute spot? Uh, it's probably just the fear of the unknown. Uh, you kind of, you don't really know what you're getting into. Um, they've, maybe they've had an experience where a student was considered the, the troublemaker of the class, right. kind of like you talked about in your last episode. Uh, but, you know, when you get a lot of those students in a small group setting, uh, it's a lot different. You know, you have a lot more control. You're working with two to five students at a time, which is, you know, it can be really enjoyable and really rewarding because you're really getting to know those students. Uh, a lot of those kids, they like to be the center of attention. They like to know that someone cares about what they're saying. Absolutely. So when you're in a small group, they kind of have that one-on-one attention from an adult that they kind of seek out, which is why they may act out in a, a, a regular classroom when they're kind of surrounded by 20 other students. And maybe they don't know how to deal with whatever insecurities they may have or uh, learning disability, that sort of thing. So I would definitely encourage people if they get a chance just to just to take you know one or two of those sub jobs just to just to see if they like it and they might they may find like i did that you know special ed is something that interests them i, I think that's a great answer uh I, I i pass those students in the hallway these days even when i'm not teaching their class and they still come up to me so hopefully they enjoyed uh, having me there as much as i did them and i'm not sure if if that principal hadn't pushed me towards it, I didn't think I was ready. I think in my case, unlike yours, I don't have a teaching background. So I was as concerned about me being able to do that or not, but it worked out great. And, and they're really great kids. Um, yeah. And I think those, those students are, you know, I think they're, there's something really special about them and, you know, they're honest and uh, they, they'll just tell you if they like you or not, which is right. kind of good or bad. Uh, but they'll also be appreciative if you, if they can tell that you're really into them and investing in them. And, you know, I see other students at my school now that I don't work with, but, you know, I'll try to make a hallway connection with them or something. And, you know, you can tell that means something to, to them, but it also oh, no doubt. means something to me as well. Oh, absolutely. I, you know, I, I've found this to be as fulfilling to me. I mean, I, I, I've told you this before that, you know, I, I've actually, you know, I enjoyed substitute teaching so much. I wish I had done that for, you know, being an, an educator instead of an accountant like I was, I, I definitely enjoy it more. Let yeah, me well, still time, you know, you can just finish up a little <laughs> MAT program at EKU and find something. Right. That, that may happen. You just never know. Do you, uh, do you currently have students across several different grade levels now or? Yeah, I teach uh, in fourth and fifth. So I work uh, with two teachers in fourth grade. Uh, each of them have about five students in their class that I work with. And then I have another four students in fifth grade. Um, they're in the same homeroom for most of the day. They just switch for science and social studies over to the other okay. teacher. But, you know, that kind of spreads me out a little bit. I, I pull groups at different times. Uh, 
uh, get some flexibility there, but you also got to stick to the schedule to be able to, to see all of them. Oh, no doubt. Okay. Um, what about um, when you do have to call for a substitute, what kind of traits would a good substitute need to possess to, to be effective for those students? I think for my position, it's just kind of flexibility and willingness to kind of come in and ask questions. You know, I have a set schedule, but you're working with three classroom teachers mainly. And, you know, just go into their classrooms, ask them what you can do to help, what normally happens, what's the, the normal routine, uh, to not go in and think you're going to change the world per se in, in one right. day with some of those students and just kind of be there and be useful, kind of be friendly with the students, kind of show them. Uh, like if they're working on math when you initially come in, kind of just stand beside them and be like, oh, I see what you're working on. Right. Uh, kind of ask them their name. I think learning their name is big because uh, that shows, you know, if they're no, you know their name, then that means you, you know them. So that kind of means a lot to a kid. So I think that's something you could do. Um, and just be willing to, to try new things there and even ask the kids kind of what they like, uh, what, what normally happens. Use them as a resource. Uh, to kind of guide you because that kind of empowers them and makes them feel like they're needed and wanted and makes them feel like they're like a little teacher. Yeah, that sounds great. It, I remember the, the only day I've done that type of thing so far, I was actually collaborating with four different teachers at four different times, but occasionally they would ask me to pull the students away from their classroom and take them back to their own. And I would help them read through things and, if they got a little bit nervous about a particular part of the test or just needed me to read what it said, I'd help them with that. And it was really kind of a bonding experience. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I would say that it's, it's important to use those classroom teachers to ask the important question of what do I need to know about this student? Because, you know, sometimes that's not always going to be left in the subfolder. That's not going to be. Yeah. Uh, it may be in their IEP, but that's not something that you would always have access to. Right. Just, right. just tell me like one thing that I need to know or one thing I need to look out for just so you kind of have a, a small scouting report as you work with them on your own. Okay. That sounds great. Let me ask you this and you can answer this both from uh, your experience. Well, ask it, answer it from the experience with all students and in, in all grades that you've had over your career. What do you think makes students favorite substitute teachers, their favorites? I, you know, I haven't got to see uh, a lot of students or a lot of subs this year at my school, you know, it's kind of uh, the year just kind of just got started. I think about right. the substitutes I have last year at the Methodist home. Um, you know, if someone comes in just too much, if they just like guns a blazing, right. too much energy, uh, students that have kind of been through a lot, like they're initially going to push away from that. So if you just kind of come in, kind of even kill, kind of just with a calm presence, being confident in your skills, because if you feel or if they feel that you're not as strong at what you're doing, you know, they may take advantage of that or they may push right. you a little bit. But, you know, trying to be confident but also not overbearing or, or too much. Um, right. When I was at an elementary school as a past coach, you know, a lot of my students would struggle with having change in their routine or having a new teacher. Or, but that would just really throw them off. So the teachers that came in and that were there on a regular basis, kind of like you try to do it, you know, whichever school you like to go to the most and connect with those kids that you see. Uh, I think that always helps, but just being there a lot isn't the best thing. If, if you don't have a good relationship with that student, you know, then it's just going to be a reoccurring problem every time. So you gotta, you gotta find a way to, to make the best of it. And, 
And I liked those subs that would see me in their classroom and kind of ask questions like I was talking about, kind of get their scatter report on the kid, kind of what not to do and what, what really works. You know, just, yes. just being real humble there and asking questions to find out. Okay. There's a lot of teachers that like to do fun things in class. And of course, you know, I've had principals that always told me, we don't care how much fun you're having, how much, how loud the classes are, as long as they're learning something. What's the, uh, the crossroads there? When, when is uh, fun too much fun? Or are there teachers that only want to have fun? How do they turn that into a teaching experience? You know, I think it, it just depends on who you are. You know, you can go in one class and they're doing an activity and it's really loud and all the kids are engaged and you can go to a different class and they're doing the same activity, uh, but it's a little more reserved and maybe you feel like they're learning a little bit more, but you, know, you just never know as long as, as long as you're being engaging to the students. I know we use a program called Kahoot uh, frequently, which allows Absolutely. the students to be on their iPads um, to kind of follow along with a quiz. Um, it'll be like ABC or D and they got 10 seconds to make their choice. And the teacher's able to use that as a teachable moment and talk about the right answer, talk about why the other ones were wrong. But the students, you know, they enjoy that. They get a little excited, but, you know, if they're excited about their learning, it's kind of like when you see a kid who's running to school when they just got dropped off, you don't necessarily want to be like, hey, stop running. Like, that's a kid who's excited to get in the school building. That's right. what you want. So <laughs> that's right. It's like, just let that kid run. He's getting ready to go to school. So that means more time to learn. And if they're having fun and it's controlled and, uh, then I say just go for it. But it depends on how you, what kind of noise level you like and you're comfortable with. And as long as you still feel like you got control and people aren't jumping out of their seats and running right. around the class or anything like yes, that. Yes, that can happen too, for sure. I've used Kahoot quite a bit too, just especially when I had the long-term supposition for nine weeks at the end of last year. And I did find that most of the time it worked great. You know, it was it was kind of funny. It seemed like the ones that got tired of it more quickly were actually what I would call the, uh, I guess, the ones that had mastered the math classes already and wanted to go to something a little bit more challenging than Kahoot. So I, I agree with you. I think you have to to uh, design it towards each individual class period. I had one that I think the only I shouldn't say it like that. Not the only time, but I feel like they learned more when we were playing Kahoot than when we tried to go to a textbook and handout. So I love that tool myself as well. Yeah. And they're starting to put Apple TVs in our classes. And if, if every student has an iPad, then they're able to kind of project up to the board. And so those students that may feel like the material is a little too easy or they've already mastered it, then you give that student a, a chance to be up on the board, to talk about whatever project they're doing to kind of take the role of the teacher. Uh, so that kind of pushes them to the next level, which is a cool way to incorporate technology, but also push your students that have mastered one level and you're trying to push them to the next. Right. Yeah, I like that. Let me turn the corner a little bit. Since you're a high school basketball coach, and I, I know you've uh, been an active sports person, and you know that I'm a sports official for volleyball and softball, I've always found that the students that I also see in an extracurricular standpoint like that, whether it's that or whether it's an academic team, whatever it may be, it seems like I get even closer to the kids I know through that. Would you encourage substitute teachers to also try to be involved with the students' extracurricular events they have? 
Yeah, and I don't even think you have to go in and ask, you know, like, what are you playing? When are you playing? Like, right. just find an event in your community. Uh, I went to a soccer game last week of two high schools, and I saw one of my students there, and she ended up playing and entertaining my daughter most of the time. So, it, you know, to her, that was a meaningful moment, and now she has yeah. a connection to me and something she can talk about. But, you know, I didn't ask that student if she was going to be at the soccer game. Like, I just right. was like, I'm going to show up because I've got a – couple basketball players to play soccer and you know so it's just cool for the students to see you out there and to see that you're not just a person who's stuck within the walls because I think even with the younger students they're they're surprised if they see you anywhere right outside of the school building if they see you at the grocery store or at the soccer field or but it's it's cool to ask about what they're involved in and uh, for them to see you as a real person for sure Right. And I've noticed, you know, I was substituting at a high school today and they had just won a, a big volleyball match last night. I wasn't able to be there because I was at another school doing a match, but they couldn't wait to come up and tell me that they, they had a big win and knocked off a team in, in their area. And I noticed, I noted the, the senior girls that were on the volleyball team were telling me that the last time they had beat this team on their home floor was when they were in the third grade and now they're seniors. So yeah, it was 2010, right? Right. It was. And you could tell that they were excited and they, that excitement carried over in their participation with me when they were in the classroom. So I've always pushed for that. I think it's great. And I think sometimes it's a little harder to connect with high school students. If you're only seeing them on a, an infrequent basis, if you're seeing them, you know, once every two weeks or once a month. Yeah. But if you are able to see him in that environment and then, you know, when you see him a week later and you're like, oh, you did a great job playing goalie last week when I was watching. Right. You know, then all of a sudden you have a connection and then they, you have something to talk about with them because, you know, it may not be easy for you to just have a conversation where you feel like you can connect with a high schooler and teaching's all about relationships. So if you can connect with them, then they're more likely to do what you ask and they're more likely to, to actually be learning so learning yeah. helping out everything I, I agree with that totally all right i'm going to let you talk about your podcast here in just a moment but i'm going to use a feature that you used and kind of turn the tables on you you ready <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right you got to choose one of these two for the i've got four of them you got to choose right. one of the two you ready here we go yeah. textbooks or educational videos uh, i'm all about videos Yeah, me too. Lecture or class participation? Class participation. (laughs) Cafeteria food or grab and go? Uh, Grab and go. (laughs) And then finally, you'll like this one. Man-to-man or zone defense? Man-to-man, because if you can play (laughs) man-to-man, you can guard anybody, so. You can tell he's a coach. All right, I want you to go. you, You take as long as you want to, and... Tell us why you created the Hoop House podcast. You can mention some of the guests you've had on there and feel free to, you know, talk about the platforms they're on. Uh, take as much time as you want. Go ahead. Yeah, I, you know, I was actually just kind of inspired by the way you would talk about your podcast. I had knee surgery over the summer, so I had a, lots of time on my hands, couldn't be out and be active. So I'm like, well, I might as well find a way to take my time and be useful with it. And there was a lot of NBA news going on this summer that, felt like there was a lot I could talk about, whether by myself or with someone else. Right. Uh, so I like to have friends on that are kind of, you know, specialists in an area like the NBA or friends on that really knows a lot about UK football. Uh, I've had Maria Montgomery on, who's able to talk about her career and what she's doing, SC Nation. Like, 
for me to start a podcast and a month later i've got a former miss kentucky on there it was real humbling to me and real exciting oh no doubt yeah set up that interview i thought it was going to fall through because espn said that you know once she was doing sc nation she kind of had to get everything approved with them so i had to reach out to someone at espn to get approval which i was like wow that means i made it like i had to get (laughs) approval from them like espn's trying to hold me back but you know they said we could do it and uh then i had uh lee roach on from kentucky taste buds they have a website they have a radio show where they talk about all the things Kentucky. So that was cool to talk to her and had a guy on talking about SEC football, just random people that I've connected with on Twitter um, who have some followers that they, they have people that want to listen and talk about similar topics. You know, it's called the hoop house, but I like to talk about random stuff too. Right. You know, like salsa or queso or, or talk about random things in Kentucky. Um, right. About, you know, just to hear people's stories. Uh, Cause there's a lot of interesting people out there and it's like on a podcast setting, people are a little more comfortable they can be relaxed uh, they're not standing in front of a crowd it's just like a phone call so uh, you can find us on twitter at the hoop house pod uh, send in your questions let me know if you want to come on the show it's on apple it's on google all that stuff so it's easy to find i try to do like three to four a week it's a little harder now with school's in but i like to keep it going and it's a lot more fun to have guests on there i don't i don't really like to hear myself talk but uh, <laughs> yeah. that's kind of that's kind of the stuff about the hoop house i did have a couple things about subbing i was gonna say i didn't work okay in. go ahead i'm sorry go ahead no it's fine uh i was just gonna say that first year i subbed my best experience was that i got to start the year out for someone that was on maternity leave and that was somebody i had student taught with and so as a first year teacher that allowed me to see what it's like at the, the first day of right. school and what it's like the first couple of weeks so i would recommend anyone that's especially new to the profession or hasn't had a chance to get their own classroom to look for those opportunities to start at the beginning of the year because I remember kindergartners came in the first time I had them in the gym and it was like, they had never been in an organized setting. They didn't even know oh, man. a stand on a line. Like they just come in the gym and they just start running around. They had right, right. no sense that it was going to be an organized class or they were going to learn things. So that was really cool. And on the flip side, I subbed for a sub who was doing a long term, which <laughs> I would not recommend doing that because I walked into that situation. Uh, that was a guy that was on maternity leave. And then his sub was out sick or something. There were no plans. There were no grades. It was at a high school. The kids just Uh, just knew there was no accountability and that you had no plans to execute. So they just came in there and it was, it was crazy. Like you you might as well just put a movie on because you're not going to get anything accomplished. And you know, they're going to be rude about it too. Right. Right. That's my two big experiences from being a substitute teacher that stand out. So the, the good and the bad, but uh, you know, you just got to find out what works for you. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, and I had a long-term sub job the last, the last nine weeks of school. So it's kind of nerve wracking sometimes because all of a sudden you go from being with a different group of kids every day and then you're with the same ones. Uh, it's yeah, you got to kind of take a different approach. And, right. I know, mean, I go into down this. a little bit. You don't want to use up all your good stuff at the beginning. Right. <laughs> That's right. I was glad that the, the teacher that left on maternity leave had left a real good plan. So it, it worked out fine. And I got closer to that kids. In fact, I am going to see them all tomorrow. So for the first time this year since since last year has been over. So that's going to be fun. Kind of like a fun reunion for me. Yeah. And last I'm, thing I'll say is for anybody ahead. that's in the area, come out and watch a model basketball game. We got a nice small gym with a good atmosphere, and we got a lot of kids that work hard and going to put in a lot of work the next two months. And uh, we got our first game in December, so 
appreciate anybody's support that wants to come out. Sounds good. Uh, we are in uh, Rich. He's talking about Richmond, Kentucky, by the way. That's where that Richmond model is located. And uh, I'll be one of those in attendance because I live in the area too. And I'll still be doing volleyball and softball and all that fun stuff. We certainly thank you for being here today. Any parting thoughts? No, I appreciate you having me on. I like what you're doing and look forward to it being shared with everyone else. All right, Mr. Morganson, we appreciate it. Thanks for being on. Yes, sir. All right. Well, I don't know about you, but I absolutely love that interview. Mr. Morgerson really knows his stuff. He gave us a lot of encouragement. I would encourage all of you to get out and try to sub with all types of kids, all types of grades, because it's really a rewarding experience. I hope you had a good week substituting this week. It was one of my best weeks ever. I started with two days at a high school and got to reunite with some of the eighth graders I taught last year. And then the past two days, I was at middle school and got to reunite with uh, some of the sixth graders that I had taught their math class for nine weeks. So it was probably one of my most, you know, my favorite sub weeks ever. I hope you had a good week, too. And... Remember that I want to hear from you. Email address, gregcollinssubstitute at gmail.com. You can reach me on Twitter. My Twitter name is at subteachlounge. I want this to be your show. Please give me some feedback. Reply to either of those. Let me know what you think. And I will see you next week on Substitute Teacher's Lounge. Music provided by Ben Sound.